I am really afraid you're going to get murdered right now. Right? Isn't this terrifying? Like, this is... I may have to turn out... You're going to turn it up? I, I, I may have to turn off video just because I'm so far away from my Wi-Fi source. So if we start getting super laggy, that's what I'll have to do. Sounds good. So don't think... If, if suddenly you lose video, please don't assume that I'm being... I murdered. will call the NYPD. If like, I was in a... Like they're going to help. <laughs> uh, I'm sure that's funny for people who live in New York. Uh, if I was in a horror film, I'm sure that one of the murders would be when someone's FaceTiming or Google Hangouting, and then they're like, behind you. Murder for the modern age. And they're like, what? I lost audio. What? Also, this, dr- this drink, it's about... So there's like... This much vodka, this much lime juice, and then a whole lot of seltzer. It's been that day. Yeah, that's a drink I can get behind. Well, I'm doing mis- Moscato because I already had a martini, so. I walked my dogs, and I was like, I deserve a drink after today. Yeah, I, I think you do too. Yeah, so there you go. Um, <clears throat> so what are we doing today, Dan? Today, we are reviewing the Netflix original film, Okja. The movie Steven Yoon lost half his head for. Here on Slow Claps and Rewrites. Ba-bam! Ka-clink! Ka-clink. Ka-clink. Ka-bam. Ba-bam. I'm glad you suggested reviewing this film because I don't think it's getting the credit it deserves, which is mostly Netflix's fault for not releasing it in theaters and then putting it out on Netflix later. Mm. I think I think that that's... Like, look at War Machine. War Machine, if it had been traditionally released, would have been a much bigger deal. I haven't watched it yet. Have you watched no. it? No. No. Yeah, see, because it's like, oh, Brad Pitt's in it? That's cool. Clearly it's going to be there for a bit, so I have no urge. But, well, you had mentioned wanting to review this at, or in June, and you had said, like, that'd be a fun review since we are now apparently half a writing podcast, half a movie review podcast, which I'm down with. But... Yeah, so I was, um, when we were talking, I was like, so are we going to do that review? And then I enjoyed today when you're like, let's let's do a podcast tonight. And I was like, ah, searches frantically on Netflix. Definitely have watched the movie. Well, I, I was really excited for it because it had one of the best trailers I've ever seen for a movie. That first trailer that they released set to, um, this is dedicated to the one I love. Mm, God, I love that song too. And using the Carpenter's version that starts so nice and gentle and builds and builds and builds, it was also reflective of how music was used in the, the movie. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, we're going to say spoilers. Spoilers, um, massive spoilers. If you haven't watched it, go to Netflix and watch this film if you want well, to not be spoiled. Spoltz. Or if you're not sure if you want to watch it and you don't mind spoilers, listen on because I think we have uh, varied and interesting things to say about it, I think. Party on, listeners. Party on. Um, yeah, I... I mean, that's... It was a movie. I'm glad you told me about the post credit scene, though, because I would not have stayed. Yeah. <laughs> so, also, another thing. Stay. At, there's, there's a scene at the end. I have to say... This is my first note about this movie, was I was unaware of how many, not huge names, but decent, decently sized names 
uh, named actors uh, were in this movie and they weren't like really in the trailer or they weren't really credited when people were talking about it so there were times that I would have a moment like when the animal uh, liberation front um, when they showed up I was like no that's not Lily Collins no that's not Lily mm-hmm. Co- oh no eh, that's Lily Collins oh that's not Steven Yeun no that's not Steven yep yep it is uh, <laughs> is that Jake Jake Gyllenhaal <laughs> What are you doing, Jake? What are you doing with the, What are you doing? What are you doing, Jake? What are you doing with the bot? What? Being delightful. Oh my god. <laughs> Honestly. Oh man. I I thoroughly enjoyed his performance. Oh my god. Um, I was. We'll, we'll get we'll get to all oh, the yeah. actors, but yeah, I yeah I was very surprised how much I liked him. Yes, I. Uh, so for those who have not, I mean, go and look at the trailer right now. Just go look at the trailer of this movie. It's on YouTube, but. For those who are just unable to switch over to Safari or Google, this movie is about a super pig, like a magical super pig, and and how it's the saving grace for this company that's trying to rebrand their image uh, because they provide uh, they're easier to maintain. There's less waste. There's more of it, and it tastes good. Uh, but they it's all about how it's all natural, and there be, there's like what, is it 23 of them being? 26. 26 are being raised in farms throughout the world. And one will be like the winner of like a super pig beauty pageant. Right. And I think the movie gets into a lot of heady concepts, but it does a good job of using the battle between the Animal Liberation Front and Mirando Corporation as the backdrop for a very basic kidnapping story. Like, all things considered, it's a fairly basic kidnapping story, but weaving it in and out of this larger conversation. And bear in mind, because people have a lot of feelings about these topics, about animal cruelty and about uh, food sources and an ethical way to eat and live. And corporations, there's a reason. Mirando sounds a lot like Monsanto. Like there's there's a lot of emotion around all of these topics, but I think they do a good job of packaging it in a, in a fantasy story. Not like witches and wizards kind of fantasy, but the most realistic sort of naturalist film elements are in the mountain range. Oh, yeah. Where, yeah, every time they're there, you'll there's very minimal music, if any. Um, and if there is music, it's purely instrumental. There's a lot of long holds and long takes on wide shots. So it seems very much like you are observing this in a very natural setting. And uh, Mija... Um, and Okja, the pig, and the little girl, when it's just them interacting is when the film is at its most natural. And when it's in the conflict is when it's at its most heightened. It's when the music swells. It's when you get like a polka for a chase scene. It's when John Denver comes on. It's when all that stuff happens is when you get into this broader sort of heady conflict between these warring ideologies. And doing a decent job of showing the nuances of this how it isn't as black and white as we would assume no and i think honestly the you brought a good point up though that natural beginning so we start the film off with a a speech done very well but tilda swinton does a great job i mean shocking i know 
Um, she, right. spoiler, plays two characters, twin sisters. You're not supposed to know this at the beginning because <laughs> there's a few little side side remarks that kind of makes more sense later on. But she's making this whole speech about rebranding her company, and I think there's just a lot of assumption that she's a little bit crazy. And mm-hmm. But it's just, it's a great speech, and she is clearly under the guidance of Oh, I am going to mess up his name. Uh, Gus from from Breaking Bad. Uh, Giancarlo uh, Gian- Esposito. That's it. Esposito. Yeah. Yep. So she is clearly under his guidance. He seems like, you know, he's kind of a guy that's sort of going with whoever's winning. And so... He he seems like a, like a more palatable Carl Rove. Like he's definitely... He's right there for whoever's in power. Exactly. And if he sees things aren't going to pan out, he's like, okay, I'm going to the next candidate. But <laughs> Going back to Nancy. Hey, Nancy, how are you? <laughs> so, there, but, so there's this great opening speech with the energy that I feel like only Tilda Swinton and a young British boy could probably bring out. And <laughs> then it goes into a solid, I'd say, 15 minutes that's 10 years in the future of this girl and her and her miracle magic pig and just them going and getting persimmons it looked like and getting fish and hanging out and taking naps and like sleeping and like in the barn together like it was just like this dynamic and i think honestly those 15 minutes are what made all of the intense chase scenes and all of the other scenes uh so intense and it made the stakes feel so high and it made me at you know we were discussing this earlier on the phone that moment when you were like no because it makes you especially if you own a dog or a really hilarious cat (laughs) you are going to feel a lot of feelings in those 15 minutes because you're going to you're going to recognize some some shadow of the relationship that you have with your animals um like i the first thing when i was watching that i was like this reminds me of floyd like it's very similar they they do a really good job of capturing the dynamic between a pet and their owner of just showing the interaction and showing the love and showing the companionship and how i mean putting them in an isolated setting helps a lot to really drive home that not only is this an important relationship but this is kind of this outside of her grandfather this is her only relationship and so the weight of that and the importance of it are sold to you immediately because you get that you're like her life revolves around her time with this pig that's Mm -hmm. an important relationship for better or worse that is really crucial to who she is as a character is who she is as a character and where the story goes the beginning and the setting work really well to sort of open us up to buying into the fantasy of their relationship Mm -hmm. and then everything that follows after we get a little more fantastical with each new outside character that we get as far as the greater world being just a little bit off from our own and a little broader and a little more ridiculous than we're used to and they sort of ease us into that by making us really comfortable with the super pig yeah, you know? yeah, and I think that definitely works. And I feel like it's funny because you are in this weird existence of it's this girl and her her grandfather and her pig. And, like, it's a very, it's simple and it seems really lovely and idyllic. And then you kind of get into this weird, I want to say it's 
almost like a Wes Anderson-y reality that is this world of this corporation versus the Animal Liberation Front and like everyone like their motives are clear but they're just a little bit off like things just seem Mm -hmm. like some people get a little too amped some people take metaphors and history a little too seriously some people lie and believe it a little too much it just all seems just a little bit off well and the the exaggerated nature of it i think is not quite like wes anderson or quentin tarantino but it's it's definitely not christopher nolan yeah we get something that's a little more it makes all the moral stuff less of a not even a fairy tale but a lecture it makes everything a little more palatable because Mm -hmm. we have this sort of removal from reality we have this sense that this isn't necessarily our own world which i think is smart filmmaking if you want to talk about bigger moral issues and sort of give yourself the breathing room to talk about these broad huge concepts in a way that isn't going to make all of your audience tune out and look away and be like eh, whatever like if any of the slaughterhouse scene had been in the trailer oh, yeah. i think it would be a lot tougher sell for an audience it just would be well and if that animal looked any more like a hippo or a manatee or a pig which are the three things that i felt like it looked most like mm-hmm. if it looked any more like one of them like they made it a a lovely mystical character so that watching something like that die was a little more palatable than say watching a video at a slaughterhouse which okja doesn't die the pig okja doesn't die but you do see several super pigs eat it yeah Um, and okja does get like a little bit of her meat taken out of her which oh god Oh, the video that they watch of her in the slaughterhouse though oh that was rough Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, man. That was harder and, for me, I think, than anything else. I think um, it's a really well-crafted film. I honestly think that they it's very disciplined filmmaking. Holding on long shots for a long period of time, using color really well. Mm-hmm. Um, I thought that every way that they dressed uh, Mija... Um, made her stand out in just the right way but not in like an obnoxious cartoony way she stood out in a real way like that was something a normal person would wear whereas like jake gyllenhaal and lucy and even paul dano's character jay all had a little more exaggerated standing out like jay was the only person in like a you know premium black suit Mm -hmm. looking consistent and clean and he he kind of between him and his crew they almost gave like a little bit of that wes anderson vibe of just like a curated like the fact that their code names were colors like silver and red and well and then j and and k which i thought was kind of funny yeah right and i i think that there's that's sort of the movie winking at you being like we know we're a movie like give us a chance but we know we know we're a movie I thought the use of music is perfect. There's long chunks of this movie with no soundtrack. Yeah. No underscoring, anything. So when they do use it, it's either very subtle or very, very intentional. When they get to the first breakout culmination in the underground shopping mall 
and the Mirando task force shows up and starts shooting the uh, tranquilizer darts. And the umbrellas. And de- yes. Oh my god. And then John John Denver starts playing. It's such a great scene, and especially watching Blonde, codenamed Blonde, um, trying to deflect and physically engage with these guys without being violent oh man it's really funny but really compelling because he's so sorry and he's trying not to like hurt anyone he's like we didn't want to hurt you well yeah Yeah. it's so it is so fascinating because even in the fight scenes it's just it's an interesting watch i have to say there is a really great moment in that underground shopping scene where we're uh the young girl, Mia, Mija. 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 Yeah. As she watches Paul Dano's character. He's wearing a mask. She's not really sure because, one, she does not speak English for a majority of this film. And mm-hmm. she's trying to figure everything out by, like, not really having a huge grasp. She only very, like, the day before realized what was going on involving this, like, her, her, her pet going away. And that she's going to, you know, be taken to New York and is food. And so she's watching him pull a shard of, like, porcelain or glass out of Ocha's uh, foot. Do you know what what it was? What was it? It was a piece of a plate. Oh. Which is, that's what it would have to be. It's rounded like ceramic or porcelain, which I was like, that's smart. That's smart. Well, and but like watching that, because it, it's such, it's a reminiscent, so the, one of the first shots you get of her with Ocha is Ocha stepped on one of those like burrs mm-hmm. that like attaches to your leg and she pulls it out. And she can tell by how Ocha's walking or something like that. Like Ocha, right. it, she like senses a lot about this, this, this pet. And so she watches him recognize that and him basically apologizing for ha- that happening to her. And, and then, so... Sorry, yeah, go ahead. Sorry. No, no, no. That, I, I, I'm sure you, you're going to a point I was going to, so go. The nonviolence and the earnestness in Paul Dana's character was as exaggerated and complete as Lucy, uh, or Nancy, the second one's Nancy, as Nancy. Nancy's ruthlessness of, like, just being almost to the point of caricature but Paul Dano I'm not a big Paul Dano fan but he really sold it of just he was very very earnest in all of his moments and you felt like he was a pacifist he was this kind heart he was this animal lover Um, well and for me I'm actually a huge Paul Dano fan and so I thought this was such a perfect role for him because he does have this certain level of like I mean he is a baby faced guy and so he does tend to connect to these roles that are a little more innocent. And it almost feels a little frustrating sometimes because, like, you're still a man. And, like, you're still a human being and you still have your own qualms with things. And so, like, it, but sometimes I, I feel like he, is a, he has this deer-in-the-headlights kind of appearance. And right. I felt like this was a perfect combination of his character in Swiss Army Man, which I did really enjoy him in, and and uh, his character in There Will Be Blood. Yeah, and I I haven't seen Swiss Army Men, but I I detested him in There Will Be Blood. 
that sort of soured me on Paul Dano. I don't know how much of it was his character or just how much of that character in opposition to Daniel Day-Lewis just made me want to, like, throttle him. But mm-hmm. I, I just could not even... Yeah, even uh, remotely no, see his sides of things, and Daniel Day Lewis uh, is a bastard in that. And I was like, I'm on his side. You're uh, you're the worst. You're just I do, you are awful. <laughs> I do have to say, the moment when Paul Dano snaps in this movie, that is the moment I have been waiting for for like ten years. That was great when he just it smacks was, the shit out of Stephen Yoon for lying. I'm like, man, what is it about? Okay with it. Oh, what about but, Stephen Yoon like getting beaten up by everyone? Punchable face. <laughs> He's got a bit He's of a punchable kind of, face. They both do. Uh, so that actually kind of goes with they basically they grab Ocha and and Nija and explain that they need to get video of the treatment of the the super pigs in in the slot in like the labs because the fact is people are so excited about this very healthy way and non GMO. Uh, meat and the fact is that's not what the situation is they're lab creatures because they have this whole idea of they were found in a farm in Chile they were raised in Arizona but in fact they're basically in a New Jersey lab and they want to get video and Stephen Yoon's role as Kay is he's translating and at one point Paul Dano is explaining everything to her. There's a funny moment in the translation where Stephen Yoon says something really quickly. He's like, did you say everything? And he's like, yeah. And he's like, it's very important that you say everything. Um, no, no, yeah. And he asks if, if he is okay with them getting caught, if, if she is okay with them getting caught. So, so, yeah. But there's this moment where he says, like, we will not proceed. We will not send her to this lab. Because their whole plan was to get caught because the lab is too secure for them to just get in uh, because they wanted the video. And they were like, we will not do it unless you give us permission. And she says, I want you to take her back to the mountains. And Stephen Yoon interprets it purposefully that she, uh, he interprets it wrong. Uh, and says that she says, okay, and everyone's happy, but no one knows that she's saying no. Uh, except for Stephen Yoon, then when she gets when they when she, they are when they do get Okja back and take her to the lab, awful things happen as do in labs and slaughterhouses and the like. And they're like all watching, and Stephen Yoon admits that like she said, take her take take her back to the mountains. And then Paul Dano just flips out, throws his head onto the desk. While he's on the ground, he kicks him a few times, and then he that throws him out. the great. most surprising part of this movie. I was just like, whoa! Because when you cast Paul Dano in that kind of role, and he seems like very quiet and like a, pa- a very pacifist, soft-spoken person, you kind of assume that's what you're getting. Right. And that was not what ended up happening in that scene. And I loved it because of it. I've been waiting for that. It was... Yeah, I as well loved it. And that and his... Um, We'll, we'll get to his apology. So they they help uh, Mija get Okja out of Seoul, where she was originally taken from the mountain farm, tell her the plan, lie about her being okay with it. They all escape, let the pig get captured with the new black box they've put inside of the pig's ear with a camera on it. And then there's already so much bad PR 
from video of the escape circulating that uh, Lucy, as the head of Miranda, says, okay, we got to make this right. Let's get the little girl, bring her here for the Super Pig Festival. We'll have a dramatic reuniting of them. Meanwhile, the ALF is recording footage of everything that's going on with her prior to everything that's going on with Okja while uh, Mija is being groomed and taken out of Seoul and, like, Try, they try to give her star treatment and she's like breaking their photo op signs and just not cooperating. She's yeah, like, I, I want to talk that. to my pig. And she finally gets her phone call eventually. But Jake Gyllenhaal's character, Dr. Um, Dr. Somebody. Mm. Uh, uh, yeah. I can uh, grab that in a second and we can pretend like it's just something I knew. Exactly. But he, he has just the oddest role in this of like being the public spokesperson, but then getting real lab access to her. And he's the one. Johnny who, Willow, Wilcox. Johnny Wilcox. Yes. And he takes the samples of her flesh to fry up and to have people taste test this pig. Because he's that, the face of the corporation. Like, he's supposed right. to be like just he, like a Why would face. he be doing that? Why, why would he be do, doing that work? Plus, he's drunk. Uh, yeah, and yeah, he's it, being recorded by the security. I'm like, why is no one stopping him? Which, again, it's a fantasy. So I think yeah. they wanted to show his dichotomy of being an animal lover as he professes to Okja right before he takes the samples, but really just being fame-hungry. Like, the idea of being replaced by this little girl as spokesperson for the company just infuriates him. Mm -hmm. So it all builds and builds to this public unveiling of the pig. And Mija has insisted that she's going to keep her fanny pack with her, even though they give her this beautiful dress to wear. And so when they bring in the tent with the pig and the pig won't quite come out, she opens the fanny pack and she pulls out the... I think it's um, a persimmon. I, I couldn't tell what it was, but pros- yeah, persimmon from the opening and just holds it out and the pig just gives a little sniff and then oh. it, it comes out and she's just, eyes are bloodshot, there's scars from the samples, but they they do get to be reunited and then all hell breaks loose when they put the footage that they've collected from the black box up on the public display and all of the ALF agents put on masks and start wrecking shit and uh, trying to help the pig get free. And we're off to the races right into the third act. Yeah. Which, whoa. I mean, like, I really, at that point, I thought they were going to get away. Like, I honestly did not think it was going to go into that where it went. Like, I thought it was clean because it seemed like that group of people had their shit together. But just I, with Nancy coming in, it was just this little curveball, and which I thought was great. And um, oh god, but yeah, no, I mean, like I did not expect that third act, and I really at that point it was sort of an all bets are off for me, and I mm-hmm. was trying to really like not have feelings about everything that was going on. I was fully prepared for Okja to die, like once. Yeah. They, they, everybody was captured, and mm-hmm. then <laughs> she goes to um, the slaughterhouse mm-hmm. where Okja's being kept. Oh, Stephen Yoon comes back. Right, and he he helps uh, he helps get her there. He got a tattoo of with, everything. With Paul Paul Tana. <laughs> he got a tattoo yep. of Paul Tana. What was it like? Don't change the translation or something like that. Yeah. (laughs) It was a great little tattoo. Um, 
<laughs> but yeah. Oh. I was like, this movie's weird, but I really like it. <laughs> well, at a certain point, I'm just like, I, I don't I don't know how to feel. Like, I, I was texted uh, how, about halfway through the movie and was like, how is the movie? And I'm like, I, I, I don't know. <laughs> like, I'm really processing this as fast as I can. And it's... It's it's a lot for 3 p.m. on a on a Wednesday. Well, and they the slaughterhouse is both horrible in like the pen situation and everything, but also much more humane than actual slaughterhouses mm-hmm. of like coming in one at a time and getting a bullet to the head. Like there are countless videos of animals having their throats slit and um especially chickens chickens are the worst because they don't even do it by hand there's just a buzzsaw that they come by and if the chicken is too squirmy it'll miss and instead of getting their throat cut they get stuck into a a bath of boiling water alive to get the feathers off so like it was even for as much as it's fantasy and exaggeration it uh it was very humane but uh, oh man mija looking for okja because she's gone up through the chute and she's running through the slaughterhouse and seeing the various steps in processing and seeing all these corpses hanging up and she gets to watch one super pig get killed right in front of her and then getting hit by the like the previous pig like she was just standing there and i'm like watch out there's a giant corpse coming at you yeah. Yeah. But the interesting so we get to the finale, we get to the climax. Okja's about to be murdered. And she's screaming out, No, don't do it, and Lucy shows up with all of her goons and is like, No, this is good. It was Nancy this at this how point. We do. Nancy, you're right. I apologize. It's Nancy. Nancy's the nasty one. Nasty Nancy. I mean neither of them are um, great, but yeah. Nancy's Neither the, of them are great, but they Nancy's show, a psychopath. I want to get I want to get through the the whole of the film before I talk about the two of them because I yeah. think there's something really fascinating going on there. Okay. But um, they they have their standoff and she's begging and pleading and she's like, no, this is this is what happens. This pig's getting eaten like all the others, and so Okja is about to die and Mija pulls out the golden pig that her grandfather purchased for her, which we should have included earlier. Um, as a consolation prize when Mirando Corp wouldn't let him buy, under Lucy's governance, wouldn't let him buy Okja. Uh, so he took the money that they returned to him and bought a golden pig, which is supposed to be a Korean good luck um, thing that you give to a daughter on her wedding day. A token, if you will. And she pulls it out and says, I want to buy Okja. And she rolls it across. And in, through blood, which I thought was a very... Through blood. Oh, yeah, yeah, which I thought was a great shot. Oh, and then Giancarlo's wiping it off before he hands it to Nancy. Mm-hmm. Oh, so great. And then she bites its head, another great image, to test if it's gold, and says, okay, we're done here. Great. Make sure that our, our customer and her pig get home safe. And she's, like, holding the pig. This thing's worth a shit ton of money. Like, it was that simple at the end of the day. It was that simple. And... Yeah. Do you want to... Do you want to tell about... Why don't you take over for the, the exit and the finale? Oh, um, also, Stephen Yoon and Paul Dano get arrested. And yes, Paul Dano do. makes a really great little comment where he's like, I believe all lives, like, should... And no lives should be harmed or all lives matter, but I would make I would make a strong argument against you, Nancy, or something like that, which I was like, oh, wow, you burned her. I don't think she cares. <laughs> and so... 
Uh, she's it's it's honestly this very weirdly stoic moment, also very heartbreaking as they're walking through the line. There they have these two security guards, um, uh, and they're just like walking very stoically, kind of side by side with these two guards, and they see these two pigs that are in the line to be murdered, and it's clear they have a baby, and they're like walking along them seeing what's going on and they because there's electric fences they actually because these super pigs are very very smart and that's i think what makes it really hard to watch because they are intelligent creatures and i mean like it's always hard to watch but like the fact that like they're smart enough to do this um but they lift they have this baby and they lift up the fence and get scoot the baby out and the baby's like freaking out and then Okja like holds it in her mouth and then they just both put their heads down clearly like walking solemnly down this line through the slaughterhouse and they have the baby in the mouth and so then it sort of fast forwards to their life back at their little swimming hole and Okja's kind of resting and so it's Mikja and the little baby is like cannonballing off a cliff and like swimming around and like starting to like live its life and she's gone back to her grandpa and now she just has this second little baby uh okja creature and so they're just living life and there's this great ending shot where the little baby has a persimmon and comes in has the persimmon and then sort of puts it down and then kind of very much like a pug backs up and then just puts its head in the sun and then has its butt in the room and then you see Okja looking through the window because she's gotten too big to fit into the house and they're just eating their dinner and like it's just and then it goes to black and then there's an after credit sequence of all of the people from the animal liberation front get out of prison I think on the same day which makes sense because they're all getting tried for the exact same, same thing. Same sentence, yeah. Yeah. Um, and they're, you know, got arrested on the same day. So, I mean, I guess it makes sense, although I feel like they would have split them up, but who's to say? But they're all on the they're all on the bus, and they're talking about the plan of there's going to be a meetup of this group and or of the, of the company that they've been fighting against and that it's going to be huge and all this stuff and they're getting all this information and it's and it's the original people jk uh blonde red and silver and they're putting their masks on and then this this guy who had been the driver for the company which he's this other character we hadn't mentioned but he just sort of was like well i don't have workers comp this isn't my car and so when they get abducted with when they're carrying okja to the the airport to take her to New York. Like, he's just sort of like, I don't care. Um, fuck this company. And so he's joining in and then another guy comes in, they're all putting masks on, but there's just this, this older couple to the side and they hand them a mask at the very end. And the last look you get is the old woman sort of looking at them like, what the fuck? And then it just goes to black again. And it's like Netflix. But I, I kind of loved that moment purely because she just would, her face being the last thing you really take acknowledgement of was great. She really was all of us in that moment. Yeah, being like, what the fuck? So that's, that's the spoiler um, breakdown of the story, which 
is a good story. It's worth the twists and turns. It's really worth the characters that you see and the moments of realism and the moments of pure fantasy. And it's... I really enjoyed it. I thought it was a really well-made film. When mm. I thought Okja was going to die, I actually yelled no at the TV. Um, I got really worked up when they got reunited. Um, it's a well... It's a well-designed film, and I think it's a really disciplined filmmaker. I thought that it was very well-directed um, and well-cast. It was interesting. And I think there's there's a tempting part of me that thinks it should be either more realistic or more fantasy, but I think it walked the line pretty well. I agree. Um, yeah, to like have these moral issues. Like I think Lucy and Nancy were a great representation of capitalism, of like Lucy just wants to be liked. And she wants the company to be well regarded and she wants to be more than her family legacy and she wants to turn things around and to feed people and to make people happy and to have them like her and like the company and, you know, to try and tackle a problem in the world, which is how to feed people. And I think she is well intentioned. However, in the pursuit of that, she ignores maybe it went to her, maybe it didn't, but the request to buy Okja and it starts this whole series of events that undoes all of her work. Whereas her sister Nancy is a by-the-numbers, stone-cold killer businesswoman. And for her, it's a very easy solution. If she'd been offered that money from the get-go, she would have said, sure, keep your damn pig. And they went through all of that just to have it come down to a stone-cold financial transaction that would have solved everything. And so between the two of them, you show both the you show the merits and the pitfalls of capitalism of like the power that you have when you have capital to try and do good and how that can with that power comes a blinding effect and how when you're acting purely out of self-interest and just using capital as you see fit you can come to a rational conclusion with another person much easier than if you're tied up in some sort of moral crusade if it's just hard dollars and cents between two individuals. Yeah, there was so much money spent trying to solve that problem when it really could have been solved so easily. So but, simple. And Yeah, I mean, but I, yeah, but then there'd be no movie. Because, I mean, this, this is, is real true. life we're talking about. Right, but it also, um, it just, I thought it was a, an attempt to be even-handed. And especially, um, you know, they talked about GMOs, but they didn't really talk about gmos it was just this movie was it's like words that we know <laughs> right it was i wasn't expecting any real science from it because there is, wasn't any real science in it it's a fantasy film and if you're looking for um a hard and fast moral stance against gmos you're not going to find it in this movie because there's no facts um, and if you're looking for a rational reason to not eat animals, you probably won't find it in this movie either because it's just a genetically engineered and manipulated adorable animal versus like if this movie was about an actual pig or an actual cow or an actual chicken or something. So it doesn't quite deliver on either of those fronts, which is fine because I, I don't eat animal products, but I also fervently believe in GMOs. So this movie wasn't 100% my my bag but it was interesting to see someone trying it, it felt like the filmmaker was trying to have a philosophical discussion with himself yeah no i definitely got that feeling where it was sort of like exploring all the sides of an argument which was interesting um obviously with a little bit of bias 
on certain sides and not on others. Oh, definitely. But, definitely. I mean, I was really interested since you have become predominantly, like, vegan as of late. I was curious how you felt about all of that. Yeah, I mean, so... Not to be a douche or whatever, but, you know... Uh, oh, Dan, you can't plant- help being a douche. I know. Whole foods, plant-based diet is what uh, I'm, I'm doing these days. And quit, um, I quit buying animal products about a year ago. Um, but now it's like not even if we're out, not even if we're um, at a party or something. And I, I, f- I feel better for it, and it's, uh, you know better for the environment, better for your body, better for this, that, and the other thing. This isn't really the place to have that discussion. I don't need to lecture anybody about the morality of their food choices. I can make some good documentary recommendations and uh, oh, talk God, about some nutritional I facts. But I can't, I know you can. That's fine. That's fine. But like, just, it's more uh, just like my, I, 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 cried. I cry at documentaries that aren't trying to get me to stop eating meat. So, like... Well, and, like, for me there's a history of diabetes and cancer and heart disease in my family and uh same with courtney everybody over 40 is very overweight and so we have a vested interest in our health and animal products especially in the quantities that the typical american eats are they're not a good idea period they just aren't the fat alone the hormones you just don't need it anyways i don't need to go on a moral tirade about it but it i'm not as moved to tears over slaughterhouse scenes typically and stuff like that only because i'm from montana and i grew up around the beef industry and i grew up hunting and i'm somewhat desensitized to animal death but it is still very hard to watch in this movie when you do finally get to the slaughterhouse scene and in any real documentary about it like it's it's really hard to if you know what these animals go through it's really hard to justify some of that to yourself just because it's it's really cruel but at the same time it was presented in such a way just at the very end that i didn't feel like the movie was trying to hit us over the head with it so i think even if you're a committed carnivore this movie will have something for you as far as just examining the treatment of animals and you will still be able to eat bacon like you can still you can see this movie and still eat bacon. Adair ate bacon while she watched it. I it just was, was I fun. I just I just shoved it down my. It just toilet. made you hungry. <laughs> I was just like, God, hey, I need some pork belly now. No, I think it'll be a few days before I can do that. But and then, you know what? And then when you do, it'll be okja. It's what's for dinner. So I I can eat I can eat I can still eat bacon. Do I want to right now? Not particularly. But also, it's a, like a once-every-other-week kind of treat for me. So, that's that. But, no, it's it's definitely... It's hard to watch. Like, it's a hard... That's a hard part to watch. But them saving it till the end and only, you know, giving it five minutes, it makes it palatable. And I think there's a good... There are good points to it. And I think it's enough to start a conversation. I think what this movie does is gets you thinking about our relationship to food and food business a little bit in very abstract terms. I think if it really sparks something in you, and if this, this is my recommendation to you, dear listener, if this movie moves you, if this movie upsets you, if this movie questions things that you hold dear, 
um, or lifestyle things or whatever, great. I think the movie did its job. And then it's up to you if you want to follow those feelings and, you know, watch Forks Over Knives or, you know, look at some nutrition facts about things and examine the USDA recommended amount of milk that we drink and things like that. And, like, follow the money about agribusiness and all the crazy hippie mumbo jumbo. Like, I am not sure I've drank milk in, like, ten years. Good, because you don't need it. Well, no, That's you don't. Bad. Like, and also, I, I am, I am one of those poor, unfortunate souls that really cannot digest dairy properly, and so it just doesn't make sense. We're, we're an almond milk family. Same, same, same. And it's, uh, you know, I mean, this movie is tailor made for people like myself who've already made lifestyle choices uh, when it comes to food. But at the same time, I really think it's presented in a way that. Um, it's not it's not gonna scare you it's not gonna make you feel like shit about yourself because it doesn't really focus on the consumer at all Mm -hmm. with the exception of showing the little kid in the parade eating a stick of jerky it really does and the testing group that try the samples of okja it doesn't it doesn't try to crucify you oh no it really doesn't it's it's much more about the relationship between the manufacturer and animal rights groups and also the farmer it's right. it's a it's a very interesting dynamic that Absolutely. they that they capture, but it's really it's not it's not terribly preachy. Like I think they obviously have like, well, this is this is not a good way, to, but it's not as much about them being them doing something that's inhumane. It's just that it's this girl's pet, <laughs> right? And so, yeah, it's 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 an interesting film. I would love to chat quickly about about the act, the 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 characters. Just briefly, kind of run them down and discuss that, and then I also have a rec- I have a movie recommendation for you. Shocking, awesome. as it were. Um, okay, I think uh, let's start with the animal liberation members that weren't uh, Jay, that weren't Paul Dano. Um, I think. Uh, Lily Collins being in this was awesome. Like, I thought she had... She was in all of four scenes, and I thought she did very well. And since she is kind of a star on the rise, it was cool seeing her in a small part. And Absolutely. I mean, like, she was tough, and, like, I liked... Uh, it was a very weird scene, but when she was trying to shove... What was it, like, a potato or something into that a gun? A potato with With, like, nails, nails in, it. in it. Yeah. yeah. Um, when she was trying to shove that in, like, I don't know, it just felt very human that yeah. it was something she was struggling with. With, and, like, a, a broom and a, a toilet bowl brush, like, well, was her ramrod for this cannon. Yeah, and I, I just, I liked that about the scene, and, um, I don't know, it just made me, it, it made me laugh a little bit. Yeah, so I, I enjoyed I enjoyed that scene because it felt a little more human of like this idea of they're like really trying to do things a certain way and by their own terms and they're trying to they're trying to figure it all out. And so I liked that scene. I liked her I mean I liked Blonde. He was kind of a I mean, he was a disposable character in a lot of ways. Mm-hmm. And then so whereas Silver is like the absolute farthest left as you can get from the Animal Liberation Front because he's just like, he won't even, he's trying not even to eat vegetables. 
<laughs> like he's just like starving himself basically because he's so beholden to these beliefs that he wanted well, to make his his throwaway line is that it had been treated with whatever chemical. It yeah. was how it was how fervently he was against the company. But what I thought was interesting was the relationship between Blonde and Silver. Yeah, they, um, there was a protection. But there was definitely like a, ro- a romance or, or maybe just a bromance. Well, I'm not really sure. De- I mean, it doesn't really matter. Blonde but. was definitely protecting Silver. Like, mm-hmm. I thought it was more of a brotherly thing. But he is always first to, like, like he got conked out by the police because he was he went back for him. And right. so their relationship was great. Um, Kay... I thought had a very interesting character arc. His, he was so amped up about the movement. He was so amped up about the mission. He this did is something. Our coolest sh- mission, yeah. Yeah, he did this shitty thing. He came to terms with it. He got the shit beaten out of him, and then real like got disbanded. But then he was like, I still believe in this cause. And then he, yeah. I mean, like ultimately, I felt like he was the ultimate follower. Yeah, yeah. Because he was given I- reasons to to lose faith. Exactly, and he he came back, and he had a nice interplay with um, with Paul Dano. I re- they, they were obviously the biggest stars in the Animal Liberation Front, and Paul Dano did a really nice job. He was very earnest, almost almost to the point of it being cheesy, which I think cheesy is just code for Paul Dano. earnestness that we're that we're uncomfortable with. Like if somebody's too earnest we consider it cheesy. It's like someone can't possibly believe something that much or be that consistently good or or bad or, you know, convicted about whatever. And Paul Dano walked that fine line of being utterly convicted about his beliefs, but not quite being parody. Yeah. I feel like cheesy is another word for Paul Dano, though. I'm sticking yeah. with that, that catch line, that catchphrase, that tagline. There we go. That was what I was trying to say. <laughs> Yeah, no, I agree, though. Paul Dano's earnestness was both beautiful and questionable. I definitely, like, wondered about his motives at times. Like, he seemed too earnest, and I was suspicious of him, and it made me feel like, I'm like, oh, I am I am a full-fledged adult in America now. <laughs> I, I can't take anyone. I can't take anyone seriously. Um, so, yeah, uh, now... Let's talk about the the sort of side roles. Uh, Shirley Henderson, all of the 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 people who are not Tilda Swinton, right? Or, or Tilda Swinton, or, yeah, <laughs> Tilda Swinton or, or Mija. We can hold to the end, but I think uh, Grandpa kind of throwaway. He was mm-hmm. nice, but he didn't. I don't really he think just, he was that nice. Like I think he was like worldly was, and like whatever. This is how life goes. <laughs> I honestly I meant, didn't I like meant him. more nice nice in his performance. Like he oh, did, yeah. he did a fine job. Yeah, um, but he did yeah, a fine he job. was very uh world weary and just acceptant of things. I think he'd been atop the mountain a little too long, but he was he was fine. I liked watching him cook traditional Korean food. Um I thought that was interesting. But I also thought he you know, when he wasn't on screen I didn't miss him. So Yeah, no, I mean I was sort of perplexed that she went back. I right? mean I get that she has nothing no other choice, but she went back, and I was like, he was kind of a dick. Or as she put it, a tight ass. Yeah, right. But then we also had um, Giancarlo Esposito did a fantastic job as just the, the whisperer in the ear. And the, uh, like, when he got up in the middle of the meeting while she's melting down, and he just makes her an espresso drink, he just makes her a latte. Yep. And then hands it to her and, like, plants just the seed of the idea. He was like, he was like an Iago. Yeah. 
good. Yeah, and now that you say that, God, Giancarlo Esposito, a few years ago, definitely could have been Iago in Othello. Um, oh, absolutely. I mean, I'd I love to see him play Othello in Othello. Oh, fuck yeah. I mean, it's very doable. <laughs> God, I mean, I was going to make a horrible joke of like, wouldn't it be great to do, do an, uh, like a version of Othello, but it's like in a retirement home? <laughs> Give it 10 years and he can totally do it. <laughs> Uh, geriatric Othello. I'm so down with that shit. Um, oh, man. Uh, yeah, so he, I mean, the thing about Giancarlo Esposito is he is so good at being Giancarlo Esposito. Yeah, like, this was very, this was very, like, this was Gus's job before Gus was the head honcho. Yeah, no, totally. Um, or, I mean, if you've ever seen Revolution, which was a brief stint, two season stint mm-hmm. on NBC, he played the exact same character. Just what for power, um, you know, wavers on alliance based on what is successful. Yeah. Like, that is that is his MO. Like, basically, I think if there's a role that that's like, oh, this guy, he's like a second in command. He wants some, he wants some serious power. He may have questionable motives. Oh, you know who we should call? It's Tony Carlo. He, he right. was also the mirror in Once Upon a Time. Your favorite TV show, Dan. He was Um, the genie and the mirror. Sorry. My bad. But you know know who was a great part of the Mirando team, though, was uh, Shirley Shirley Henderson. Moaning Myrtle herself, who, when I heard her voice in that scene on Mm -hmm. when when they make it to the top and Jake Gyllenhaal's hemming and high, I'm like, my God, it sounds like Shirley Henderson. And then it was. And she's in like four or five scenes. Like there are these great Mm -hmm. actors in four or five scenes that you're just like. Shit, what have you been up to, man? I feel like I'm, like, at a block party right now and catching up. She does a remarkable job of being, like, the company person who's there to play ball and just do their job. And she does it very well. All the marketing stuff, all the logistical stuff that she handles, and the funny way that she interchanges with both Jake Gyllenhaal and Tilda Swinton and uh, Mija. She does a really nice job. I thoroughly enjoy her? her performance. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Like if you if you don't go along with this, Okja will be eaten like mm-hmm. all the other pigs. Yeah, she my, points to the pork chop. Oh God, that's what so Okja great. will be. Yeah, my favorite scene was actually right after the meeting, and she was just like, "So we've got a plan. This is what we're gonna do. Like, suck it up, guys. This is how we're going to go." And that was great. And then, I mean, that kind of brings me. I feel like that opening scene, Jake Gyllenhaal, um, who surprised me, like absolutely. At, every turn like i did not expect his first scene like how he who he was like the, like it, he was playing two characters um half the time and it was just yeah it was just it blew my mind i loved it and i was so impressed with him because i didn't ever see nightcrawler mm-hmm. because i don't know i'm lazy it's like when people it's are like, see La La Land and not Moonlight. Uh, Moonlight's a whole thing. Nightcrawler was a whole thing for me. Um, uh, but yeah, so I I really did enjoy, I really did enjoy Jake Gyllenhaal. I felt like, I'd say he's one of two MVPs in this. I'm not saying I liked his character. Like I, his character was very weird and very hard to sort of figure out his alliances. But ultimately you saying like, he just wanted fame. Like it makes sense. And it is that idea of, like, also in 10 years, how they started him off and, like, where they were at 10 years later, like, they didn't have use for him anymore. 
just from an acting standpoint, I think he made a lot of really bold choices. I don't know how consistent the choices were, but the character was an inconsistent person, so I think that worked. But the um, I'm going to steal from Grace Randolph, who in her review of this film said, if uh, Jared Leto decides he doesn't want to play the Joker anymore, give Jake Gyllenhaal a shot, and I 100% agree after seeing oh, him in this shit. role. Right? I mean, maybe oh, the Riddler, I would love- but let's... But he'd be such a good Joker. He was so odd and so creepy and violent and passionate and weird and drunk and just all over the place, but perfectly in line with that weird, fame-starved vet. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah. No, just, I totally just, agree. Oh, my yeah. God. that's. I feel like he'd be a great Batman villain. Mm-hmm. Ah, damn. Damn! Oh, so good, yeah. so good. Yeah, I I think that'd be a great use of him in a bigger franchise, just because then he can still be on his auteur, I'm a real actor, damn it, journey that he's been on, because he'll only have to do one movie. But would it be weird he, he for, for him to be the Joker? Because I feel like he'd be in his dressing room and looking at a picture of Heath Ledger as the Joker and being like, I can't quit you. Oof. I'm going to say too soon. I'm actually going to say too soon. Really? You're going to say I just too sooned it? Oh, man. Dude, don't make me feel like an asshole. I know he died 10 years ago, but it's one of the one of the greatest performances he, in film oh history. Oh my god, no, I I agree, and that's why I'm saying like it would be a little weird. It would be a little weird to have his brokeback lover be the other Joker. This is just yeah. me. I like to do that like, you know, 6 degrees of separation thing of like, hey, they boned in a film. Maybe in real Absolutely. life. I don't know. I mean, he is godfather to Heath Ledger's daughter, so something might have happened. Um so, but he does he does a great job. Um, and so let's now let's I guess talk about let's talk about old T Dog. I think maybe let's do Mija first, honestly. Because she was great, she but was like amazing. it's the Tilda Swinton show. It oh really yeah. Is the Tilda Swinton I mean the show. fact that they rested a majority of that film on a thirteen year old's shoulders and she delivered. She Absolutely delivered she I mean like I have not been astounded like and oh god. I don't wanna say I, I honestly, okay, so Haley Steinfeld in True Grit, that girl carried that movie in a lot of ways. She had some amazing actors alongside her, but she did such a great job. And mm-hmm. that was kind of what it made me think of. But there was there was the, the stoicism. Have you, oh, shit, I'm going to forget the m- name of the movie. Oh, God, it's basically Hunger Games, but it's it's not. Um, oh. Battle Royale. Battle Royale. Have you ever seen Battle Royale? Yes. Battle Royale. Yes, I have. Yes. So the girl in the main girl who wins in Battle Royale, mm-hmm. uh, it kind her stoicism reminded me very much of her too. And just such drive and determination on a character, like she was so. Um, I heard it said on a podcast far better than ours that story is the fusion of plot and character that you know plot are the things that happen in this world and universe and this is the way things are like uh the example they used was uh the matrix that the machines have taken over they've enslaved humanity they've put everybody in this virtual world um we're not really free and very few people are are aware of it right 
And Neo is the character who's slowly coming to terms and awareness about this world and what he can do within it and what the real nature of that world is. And the actual story of that film is him interacting and making choices within that world on his own journey. And I felt like this did a pretty good job of showing her against the world and her within the world and how much things changed for her but also stayed the same she got more resolute she never really had the she definitely had moments of defeat but she never gave up and that's what made her so admirable and she just fucking nailed it in most of her scenes she was just great oh yeah i totally agree i mean and the thing is never separate a 13 year old from her pet like I feel Absolutely like that's just not. our like end end line here is like you just you don't and honestly that should have been it should just spin her face and say never take a pig away from a little girl or something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, uh, she was she was great. She did such a good job, and I mean she portrayed a lot of confusion in certain scenes where she, I mean like and trying to understand she was having to absorb a lot of information in like three days and like that and she did a great job of showing like a person who really had to grow up a lot from her little island farm or her little mountain farm to being in New York City at a slaughterhouse like she had to grow up a lot in that movie yeah um her adjustments were were great and just as she adapted to her situation really well uh lucy did not oh yeah no she dissolved she dissolved with 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 any obstacle it was it was it was a fascinating comparison Mm -hmm. but yeah so so yeah i feel like that goes that brings us that brings us to t to t dog to yeah to the original um t swift t s t swift but t swint T. Swinton. I was trying to be cool. I like T. Swint. T. Swint. You you my girl, T. Swint. You my girl. (laughs) Is she 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 talented or is she just pale? (laughs) She's a treasure. Um, She was so committed to being liked and being really honest, I thought, as Lucy. Like, Lucy wasn't a bad person. Lucy was honestly trying and was just really frustrated. She wasn't like, kill them all or this shall not stand. She just got frustrated when things didn't work. Mm-hmm. Like she had a pretty realistic response to how things went versus Nancy just being like, well, we'll just, just solve it. Just figure it out. Like there was no emotion behind her, but Lucy was a very emotional character. And to play both of them in the same film and have them have scenes with each other, like, we get it. Like, honestly, I'd rather watch her than Meryl Streep any day. I just would. She's fucking brilliant. I will state that it is real soon after Hail Caesar for her to be playing twins again. Like, that was my yeah. only point. Was I was like, I feel like I, I got when she was having the phone call with her sister, I was like, either they're not going to show her or they're going to be twins. Because that was very clearly Tilda Swinton. And I, I had a moment where I was like, I really, I'm worried they're going to do it and it's not going to be great. And it was, it was different enough from Hail Caesar. And like, I mean, like, obviously, but 
I mean, the twin relationship was different enough from Hail Caesar that it, it worked still, but it was it was kind of frustrating to me. Yeah, and I I'm usually I mean not she's a fan talented. Of, I'm usually not a fan of people playing twins or you know, two characters in the same movie. Unless it's Dick Van Dyke and Mary Poppins, but um <laughs> I love you. <laughs> but if you look at them as a representation of capitalism, as the capitalist twins, it, it's flawless. It's absolutely Oh, no, it totally is. And it, within the fantasy of it all, I just thought it was great. Yeah, Two sides of the same coin. They were the Janus sisters. It was perfect. No, and I'm glad they did it, ultimately. I'm glad they did it. I'm just saying, maybe I wish that um, the Coen brothers, like, cast Julianne Moore or something. Because the role... Yeah. I don't know. It's just, it's my own, like weird hijinks in my brain. Ignore them. Um, I will not. But, oh, um, Jesus. Uh, but, yeah. Jun Ho Bang, though, right? That's his name, the director? He loves her. He is during Snowpiercer. He's like... Oh, my God. He did Snowpiercer. Oh. Yeah. Shit. Jun Ho Bang. I will, I will never look at fruit bars the way I look at... Uh, 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 like, after Snowpiercer, I never looked at them the same. Like fruit leather and stuff. I get that mm-hmm. it wasn't fruit leather. It looked like fruit leather. And it wasn't fruit leather. Newsflash, it was cockroaches. And people stuff. Um, um, no, Snowpiercer was such a good movie, though. I remember, like, where I was and, like, experiencing that movie. Damn, it was a good movie. Well, you know they're doing a TV version, right? Oh, my. TNT's doing a series. I will I will say though, speaking of trains, I am so excited, like bananas excited about Murder on the Orient Express. I'm interested to see how it goes. Um, I think it's I gonna that, go well. I hope that they make it compelling. I'm not sure. Uh, I I always have concerns when somebody stars and directs. I think Clint Eastwood is about the only person who pulls it off well. But he may be know. a dick, but Kenneth Branagh was one of my first crushes as an uh, like actor crushes. Much to do about nothing. That is a unique crush for a young girl. I was I was a weird kid. I actually was telling my sister about this. I'm like I'm pretty sure Kenneth Branagh was like one of the first men I ever had a crush on, like from a film. And she's like, you know what? Me too. Or uh, uh, and she's like, or uh, sh- oh god. I can't remember his name. I want to say Sean Thomas, uh, Sean Leonard, Sean Thomas Leonard, or whomever is plays Claudio in that movie, who is also in House and Dead Poets Society. And I'm like, you're you're talking about much to do about nothing, aren't you? And she's like, yeah. And I'm like, me too. <laughs> like, <laughs> that's where I went. Um, but no, I, I the one of the. I mean, it's a great trailer. Like, it's a great trailer to introduce the characters. But um. If you're familiar with the story, which I'm, I'm assuming you are. I love Miss um, Christie. Um, yeah, I figured as much. Um, no, but, uh, Chris Christie. He's a great mystery. Oh, writer. oh, okay, okay, okay. I, I was wondering. Um, <laughs> Chris Christie's Murder on the uh, Newark Express. Um, no, he'd probably call it something more antiquated than uh, than Orient. It'd probably be like Murder on the Chinaman Express or something <laughs> like that. Because it's, it's Chris Christie. 
Yeah, no, I got it. I got it. I got it. Um, racism. Um, subtle, subtle, subtle. Uh, but the thing is, they choose, like, when you're choosing a murder victim that is a known murder victim, like, you know this person is going to die, because it's a well-known story, when I was like, man, who are they going to cast, though, that I'm going to want dead? And I was just like, oh, God, they know me so well. Of course I want Johnny Depp dead. (laughs) More than anyone else. Like, they did a good job choosing a murder victim. I mean, I wish um, I wish that uh, he was going to get murdered in uh, Fantastic Beasts, but we all know that he lives, so, meh. Hmm. Oh, Grindelwald. Um, so, speaking of movies that aren't the movie we just saw, but I do want to ask you, if you would, would you consider this a rewatchable movie? Absolutely, that's I been, and I plan like, on that's watching been my, it again. That's been my big thing about Netflix original series, is they are very good at first viewing. But there is a question of, do you rewatch it? Like, do you watch thir- rewatch 13 Reasons? Oh, my God. Do you rewatch 13 Reasons Why? Probably not. I'd have to not. watch it once to, to rewatch it. So, no. You quoted but. it so much when I was in New York. Welcome to your tape. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> I I have my my finger on the on the withering pulse of pop culture. No. I'm always like but, a few well, weeks behind, but still. Like the OA, I liked watching it the first time, but I'm not sure I'd watch it again. Probably wouldn't. I I rewatched uh, Kimmy Schmidt. I like well, I mean, I like yeah, Kimmy Schmidt a lot. And comedy's um, easier, I think. Um, it's true. This I, I would I mean, definitely re- rewatch though. This was really, yeah. really well crafted. And I think I have to agree with you. I would rewatch this. Probably I'd have to be in a different headspace than I am right now. But like I watched it while I was finishing up work. So yeah, I so speaking of though, movies that aren't this movie, I'm glad to know we both would recommend at least yeah, one I'd say, and a half I'd say thumbs, if not it. two thumbs. I say I say watch, watch it, it yeah, see I, it. Write an Absolutely. alternative screenplay, write some fanfic, do it. Um, uh, I saw a movie this weekend, this lovely um, 4th of July weekend, that made me so happy on so many levels. And when we were describing the beginning of this movie, it made me think of it where it's like talking about the soundtrack and all of that, but then also that it kind of makes fun of itself at certain points. So I saw Baby Driver, directed by Edgar Wright. I knew that's what you were going to say as oh, soon did as you, you said soundtrack. <laughs> oh, man. Dude, like, oh, I mean, I'm a sucker for Edgar Wright. Like, I I am one of the few that I think ranks Hot Fuzz above Shaun of the Dead. I love Shaun of the Dead, but I also, but Hot Fuzz, like, I... It's a superior movie. I mean, I just, I love that movie. And I, I got ir- I've gotten irritated a little bit. I'm, I've... Listen to Edgar Wright's doing interviews and stuff, but I've gotten a little irritated reading reviews and stuff when people are like, well, I feel like some of the deaths were a little, like, campy, and I'm like, do you not know who Edgar Wright is? A guy got impaled by part of a church in in Hot Fuzz. Like, someone got their, like, their neck impaled by a mini version of a village. Spoiler alert, the, this movie came out a decade ago. Deal with it. I love, I love um, Hot Fuzz. I'm right there with you, though. That's my favorite I, Edgar Wright movie. Even over Scott Pilgrim. I love that movie. But, and that's another thing, is, like, I don't think Scott Pilgrim gets the, gets the props that it deserves, because it, and I was talking to my friend Rory, um, at a party on Friday night. We were at an engagement party, and we were both talking about Baby Driver, and, because I was like, I'm seeing that this weekend. Like, this is something I'm doing. And he's like, the fact is, people may make fun of Scott Pilgrim, but it's people that do not understand, like, how 
epic that film was like to encapsulate that graphic novel but also to it was innovative like you may not like michael Sarah, but that was an innovative piece of work yeah and a good use of him i think it was one of his better roles but, i mean it was um, a very well done role and i mean obviously i'm a huge fan of um mary elizabeth winstead and i did definitely go as ramona flowers for a halloween or two so i mean awesome. i mean i'm a fan i'm a fan but I love Baby Driver. Like, it is great. I mean, as a person who grew up, my father being a, a radio DJ, um, my, uh, but he installed the sense of music and timing and everything. And so the fact that it has that was amazing. They really play on it. They make fun of it. John Hamm is amazing. Kevin Spacey coming back to... I haven't seen him in a movie since, like, the Horrible Bosses franchise. I did find it funny that he and Jamie Foxx, both in the Horrible Bosses franchises and this, and kind of similar characters. <laughs> but, um, and Ansel Elgort, I think, you know, a, he's a young actor that actually has a lot going for him, and I'm pretty impressed with him, and you know, I think he has potential. I was going uh, uh, with my, I was talking to my sister about all the younger actors of like this kind of new era of like the early 20s and who I think has the potential of being like a next Leonardo DiCaprio, next um, Brad Pitt. And Anne was like, what about the next Tobey Maguire? And I'm like, who wants to be the next Tobey Maguire? Toby Maguire. I think Toby <laughs> Maguire wants a Toby Maguire esque comeback. But yeah, so that's my, I, it's great. It's great. I mean, if you like Hot Fuzz, like, I'd say this will be your second or your third favorite Edgar Wright film. That's awesome. I take that, I take that as a, uh, an excellent and strong recommendation. Go to Elmo Draft House. Make an experience out of it. Uh, Maybe go to college beforehand. That sounds like a, a hell of a night. It was a good night for me. <laughs> but yeah. Um, my recommendation to you is to try the amazon show patriot it's a it's a cia operative um who's on a mission and he has to infiltrate this american company because they do business in europe and he needs to make cash drops there to funnel to a resistance in the middle east but he's he's going through some like ptsd and some trouble at home and he's channeling all of his frustration and and sorrow and life stuff and just the toll of being a cia operative into singing folk music and it <laughs> is the most delightful absurd violent but realistic show i've seen in a long time it's really interesting and just like a fascinating use again of music and lighting and dialogue and circumstance and things going from bad to worse and situations getting complicated and messy it makes you anxious at times like really anxious but there's also this uh european interpol um is she interpol or is she just dutch police i can't remember but she's great it's it's really weird i've only watched the first couple episodes but it really got me i thoroughly enjoying it as just a something different I am intrigued. Yeah, if you like the Americans, it's like a little more comedic uh, Americans. You know what's funny is I keep I keep saying I'm going to start watching the Americans. I'm like, yeah. I've, I've watched the pilot next three times. Week. I'm like, and next I just, week. 
I get you. The Americans is an undertaking because it's like um, so good and all this. <laughs> well, it's funny. So Skylar and I, we like to watch shows together, and um, we started watching Man from High Castle. We watched the first episode, and we keep talking about how we need to continue this show. <laughs> and I'm like, yeah, yeah, let's finish Master of None, and then right on to Man from High Castle. <laughs> Like, it's just this, it's this story of, it, we're never going to finish it. <laughs> like, we're not going to get there. Um, it's a good no. problem to have. We get too much good shit to watch, Adair. Get, you know, more mo shit, more problems. Um, hey, Dan, happy hey, yeah. 20th episode. Hey, yeah, look at that. Look at us. This is our 20th episode, which means that if our episodes were people if our podcast was a person it'd probably be drinking illegally in its parents basement by now but these episodes come out every two weeks yeah Not well you just fucked with my logic <sighs> well that's a day ruiner Slow Claps and Rewrites is painstakingly produced by Adair Rice and Daniel Crary. It is edited with extreme prejudice by Adair Rice. Slow Claps and Rewrites is a part of the Secret Weapon Productions Library. Copyright M-M-X-V-I-I. -I. 2017. All rights reserved. Until we've been dead for 70 years.